Genesis. I want to say hello to you folks that are tuning in with us online today and to all of you in the room here. If you don't know me, my name is Jerry. I am the campus pastor here at Genesis Carmel, and it's always good to have you joining with us as we worship Jesus together. Now, I have a message prepared for you, but I want to share a word that my daughter shared with me today. Uh, First service, she said, Daddy, I noticed that in the music, there's no periods ever. And I said, well, it's in songs, and so you don't put periods in songs. But I was just struck with this idea that maybe that's just a reminder that our our worship really never ends. And so that's the message for me today. That's from my seven-year-old daughter, Kate. I thought that was really, really timely for all of us to hear. So you do with that what you want, but that's what I'm taking away from today personally. Um, Hey, as we get started this morning, I want to talk to you about something really important. It's something that we're all kind of thinking about. And as you know, uh, Governor Holcomb this last Wednesday addressed the state um, and shared what we already know to be true right? COVID cases are rising rapidly. Hospitalizations are going up and we're in a pretty serious situation. And so we're all wondering, well, what what does that mean? And and what what are we going to do? Now, here's what's interesting. There's new restrictions that are, that have been handed out on the state and and churches weren't covered specifically, but in his Q and A session, someone said, well, what does this have to do with churches? And I love what he said. He said, I think it's important for people to gather to worship and to study the word together. And I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Like how, how cool that our governor knows the importance of, understands the importance of what we're doing. But at the same time, he did say that it's really important for all of us to monitor our own health, especially when we gather together by masking up and by staying socially distanced from one another. And so we are really thankful for the opportunity that we have to meet. And we're going to continue to do this as best we can. We're thankful for those of you that are tuning in with us online every week. But we want to remind you of something. We know that wearing a mask is not fun or enjoyable for anyone. No one likes it. But it is a really good thing that we can do together. And so while we're on our campuses together for any of our events, we're asking that you, that you mask up. And when you're moving around the building, mask up. But when you get in your seat and you're, sit- you're seated and you're socially distanced, if you need to catch your breath, by all means, take it down, catch your breath, take a breath or two, okay? We just thank you for partnering with us during this really tricky time as we're trying to figure out how do we do this thing together so that we can continue to gather together and to help one another stay healthy. That's what's most important. And at the same time, I want to remind you, let's keep praying together that God would do the things that only God could do, that he would use where we're at right now with this virus to one, bring it to an end, but two, to bring people to him. And so let's just be praying for the healthcare workers that you, you have to imagine they're exhausted. They're tired, they're frustrated, right? For those that are sick, for those that are that live in fear of of getting sick. Let's be praying for all of these things together. So as we jump into the message, I just wanna take a moment for us to pray over these things. So would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we are thankful that you are our great defender. I I love one of the phrases of the song just talked about how things circle in on us and it kind of feels like that right now, but you surround us. And so we're so thankful. We're we're thankful for your goodness. We're thankful that we sing to you. We're not just singing to make ourselves feel good. We raise our voices. We lift our hearts up to you and to you alone. And so we're thankful that we can gather together. uh, And we pray that we would continue to be able to do this. Would you help us to work together as a church family, to be wise in how we do what we do so that we can stay healthy, we can take good care of one another, and we can worship you corporately, whether that's in this room or for people that tune in online. Would you help us to keep that our focus? Father, I pray that you would do what only you could do. I pray that you would bring an end to this virus. We pray in the name, the healing name of Jesus, that you would make it go away, that you would heal those that are sick, that you would strengthen uh, the healthcare workers, that you would bring more healthcare workers. There's There's a shortage, Father. We pray that you would do what only you could do, but I also pray 
that in the midst of this really scary and uncertain time, I pray that you would use this as an opportunity for a revival to break out in our country and around the world where people would run to you, Jesus, and you would help us to be the people that are ready to help. So would you help us here to take good care of one another, but would you help us when we leave also to remember we are empowered by your spirit to go as your ambassadors to love people, to serve people, to care for people. And would you, would you help us to remember we have an opportunity to share the gospel with the way that we live our lives. We lift all of our prayers up to you right now, Jesus. It is in your great name we pray, amen. So last weekend, my wife Casey and I got to celebrate a, a wedding of a couple we really love and enjoy. And uh, it was the first weekend in November and they took a gamble. They got married outdoors, right? It's a huge gamble. But if you remember to a week ago, I see many of you shaking your heads, right? It was gorgeous, 60 degree temperatures. It was the most beautiful autumn wedding you could ever imagine. And so as we were leaving, my wife said, check it out. The couple, they love coffee, okay? And their, their party gift for all of us, for us to remember them after the fact was this bag of roasted beans. And she's like, check it out. This is what we get to take home, my wife. And so she had two bags in her hand and I was like, that's amazing. I love coffee. And I didn't even hesitate. This is what I said, no lie. Where are the extras? Let's get some more. And my wife, who is very level-headed, she smacked me and she's like, what's the matter with you? It's one per person. Like, can't you just enjoy a free gift? And, and I just get greedy about things like gourmet coffee, right? And here's the thing, they're on their honeymoon. They're not gonna know. They're not even gonna care, right? And they, you, you always order extras of stuff like this, right? So I found seven extra bags. They don't know. They're not gonna know. Actually, these are extra bags. I'm gonna give them back to them. I only have two in my house. I promise I'm not gonna steal their extra coffee, right? But I'd be willing to admit, I get greedy about things like free gourmet coffee, right? It's something that I enjoy, but I'm not the only person that does this. We all kind of do this, right? We all like to have a little, a little extra of things. It's not just enough to have enough. You want more, especially if it's free because you want to store up a little bit. Kids, would you rather trick-or-treat in a neighborhood where you get the little bite-sized candy bars or are you going to go to the neighborhood where they're giving out full-size candy bars? Full-size, full that's my daughter. Full-size, dad, duh. Who doesn't want full-size candy bars? And so what do we do? We collect and we store up and we hoard and stockpile things that we like that we want or things that we think that we need just to make sure that we have enough for us. And I want you to think back to a few months ago when we went into quarantine the first time. Remember what it was like to go to the grocery and wonder where in the world's the flour? Where, where do I go to get fresh meat? And who's taking all the toilet paper, right? Like who is hoarding that? We all need that. Let's share. Well, it's good and it's even right, right? It's wise for us to store up some basic necessities for uncertain times. But today, Today, we're gonna to look at a simple prayer that Jesus taught his followers to pray. And, and the purpose of this prayer was to teach them and to remind us that we can rely on our heavenly father to, to supply every need that we need every single day, one day at a time. Now, for the last few weeks, we've been studying this familiar prayer called the Lord's Prayer. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 and also in the Gospel of Luke. And maybe you grew up in a faith tradition like me where you were taught to say this prayer over and over and over again. It's a very, it's a very good thing. And so you might have it memorized by heart. And in just a moment, we're going to read it together, but we're going to read it from the New Living Translation as a way for all of us to kind of get our minds in the same place. So I want to invite you to read this prayer with me off of the screen together. Okay, we're going to start right here. Our Father in heaven... May your name be kept holy. 
May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And some translations end with, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've been breaking this prayer down bit by bit and piece by piece. And we've learned that Jesus said, hey, if you want to know how to pray, it begins by addressing God as your heavenly father. He is close, he is personal, and you celebrate and you worship his name for how good it is. And then you move from there to thanking him and, and saying, hey, God, would you let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven where things are perfect? Bring your will down here. And today, this is the phrase that we're going to zero in on. Give us this day our daily bread. And I want you to think about how timely these words are for us in a time when we wonder, what's, what decision's gonna be made later today? What limitations might be on me later this week, right? I think it's gonna be really timely for us to learn how to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. So what does it mean to ask God for daily bread? Well, for starters, Jesus is teaching us something really, really important. I want you to think about this. It is good and it's even appropriate for us to make our requests known to God. That's a good thing. He's saying, look, your heavenly father is good. He loves you and he loves to bless his children with really good gifts. And let's be honest, don't we all have a list that we bring to God of big things and small things and all kinds of things? This is your list. And Jesus says, bring your list. You can ask for whatever's on your list, big or small, spoken or unspoken. But at the same time, it's probably wise for us to pay attention to how we make our list and how we make our requests known to God. Because if we're not careful, it could kind of be like we're just ordering something off Amazon or we're ordering delivery from Grubhub, right? And so we gotta be careful that we ask in the right way so that it's a heartfelt request to our heavenly father. So I want you to think about how often are you tempted to pray for things like this? Hey God, I mean, I mean, Heavenly Father, Jesus, you said to pray Heavenly Father. So Heavenly Father, would you mind providing us with good weather so we can go mountain biking or golfing later? Pretty please. I'd like, I'd like to have some fun today. Father, would you bless us with gifted children or grandchildren that would excel ahead of everybody else's? That would be kind of nice, right? And oh yeah, by the way, Heavenly Father, it'd be really awesome if Andrew Luck could come out of retirement. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, okay? It would take my stress level down just a little bit. And, and oh yeah, while you're at it, Heavenly Father, I don't play the lottery, but it'd be really cool to win the lottery. I think you could probably work that out, right? Would you mind? Now, I'm not saying any of those things are bad or wrong. Some of those prayers are more noble than others, right? But there is a difference. I think there's a difference between praying for daily bread and asking for an extra brownie. And so let's figure out how to do this in the way that, that Jesus would tell us to, Okay. So how are we supposed to pray in a way that honors God? How do, we, how do we ask for daily bread in a way that honors God? Well, for starters, Jesus is teaching us that our prayers should be a daily expression of our dependence on God. Our prayers should be a daily expression of dependence on God. It's a daily thing. It takes time. It's a rhythm we can get into. I want you to listen to what Psalm 3, what David writes in Psalm 3. In, in a really tricky situation, David wrote this, I lie down and sleep. And I wake up again because the Lord sustains me. I read that yesterday and I thought that's a daily bread type of prayer. Now, I love how my former pastor, 
Bob Russell at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky summarized this profound truth. He says this, it can be easy for us to treat prayer like a 911 call that we use in a desperate emergency or like room service where we call to have a personal delivery made on our terms. He, he says, he goes on to say, it's interesting to note that Jesus didn't say, give us this week or give us this month, but give us today our daily bread. And then he noted this. He says, you know, the Muslims have a mandatory law that requires them to pray five times a day. And think about this, the Old Testament hero, Daniel. Well, he was known by his friends and his enemies for being a guy that prayed to God three specific times every day. But then Russell closes with this thought that summarizes it all up. He says, prayer will become a positive source of power for us when we develop a custom of praying every day. It's like a daily habit. It's a rhythm that we get into and it can unlock power in our lives. And this is why as a church family, we're studying this familiar prayer, but because we wanna challenge and we wanna encourage one another to engage our heavenly father with this pattern that Jesus has shown us. And so I want you to imagine what could happen in your everyday life. What could happen at your school? What could happen in our church family and in our community and around the world if we learned to engage God daily to worship him and then say, hey God, here's, here's what I need. Can you come through on this? Parents, I want you to imagine the power of teaching your kids to pray these prayers now. Imagine how it'll affect their decision-making abilities. How, how could it impact the way that they make decisions and the career they choose, the person that they choose to marry? How could teaching your kids to pray now potentially provide them with the finances they're gonna need to take care of you when you can't take care of yourself, right? There's power in prayer. And Jesus says, we need to just follow this model that I've, that I've shown you. It's a, it's a positive source of power for us. And so praying for daily bread is, means that we pray for the things that we're curious about, that we wonder about, that we're nervous about, the things that wake us up in the middle of the night. We can pray for all of those things. So simple question. When you hear the word, the phrase, give us this day our daily bread, what do you think of when you think of bread? Well, if you think of food, you're not alone, right? Bread is food. And I think Jesus's first followers thought of bread because there was a familiar story in the Old Testament that maybe you've heard, but I, 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 I'm guessing that this is what Jesus's followers were thinking of. In the Old Testament book of Exodus, there's a story of how God used a man named Moses to lead the Israelites who had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. He used Moses to lead them out to the promised land. But while he was doing that, he provided food for them every single day in a very unique way. Exodus chapter 16 tells us that every morning God would provide a white edible substance that coated the ground. It's called manna. I saw frost on the ground this week. I thought of this story. Like we, we have a little bit of a visual of what this looks like, but Exodus 16 describes this white stuff as tasting uh, like honey made with wafers. So think of like a graham cracker, or I choose to think of it as like golden graham cereal. I really like golden grams, right? So, so, so it's pretty good, it's sweet. And he said, here's the deal. You can go out and collect what you need for you and your family every day, but don't get more than you need because if you do, it won't last. But some people got greedy and they, they stored up more than they needed. And over the course of one night, it would rot, it would stink, and it would be maggot infested by the next morning. But here's what's crazy. They didn't need to do that because every day, God provided this substance called manna and they could gather all 2 million of them. They could gather what they needed every day, no matter where they woke up, no matter where he led them, it was always there waiting on them. So do you see what God was doing for his people? He was teaching them 
look, you can rely on me. I've got this, I promise. I, w- I will come through for you even in the middle of the desert. He's saying, I want you to learn to live by faith and not by sight for the simple things that you, that you need. And guess how long that went on? For 40 years. It's a long time to learn a valuable lesson. And so when Jesus is teaching his followers, give us this day our daily bread, I don't think they just heard a short pithy statement on, oh, I can pray these words. I actually think they heard the echoes of an ancient reminder that God had miraculously provided for their ancestors to lead them to the long lost promise and that he, he promised to give to them. And Jesus was also modeling for the rest of us this, a lifestyle where you can communicate, Father, I trust you to provide for everything that I need today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. So I want you to think, how does this apply to November of 2020? When we as followers of Jesus learn to pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread, we are reminded of the importance of staying connected with him, of being dependent upon him for everything that we need from the food that we eat to the decisions that we're faced with. And so praying, Father, give us this day our daily bread reminds us that we can engage him daily, but it also comes with some serious advantages that I think we should consider. The first advantage is that learning to trust God for our daily bread reduces our anxiety. Is there anything making you anxious lately? Anything in the last, I don't know, 30 days that's kind of had your attention and had us all buzzing around thinking, oh, what's gonna happen? And oh, what's, who will it be, right? And that's just that one thing. There's lots of things, but trusting our father for daily bread can reduce our anxiety. And so maybe you're anxious about the shift of executive authority that's taking place right now, or you're worried about the potential for social, for social uprisings that, are, that could take place anywhere at any time. Maybe you're fearful of the recent spike in COVID cases and hospitalizations and restrictions, especially with the holidays being right around the corner. And oh, just so you don't forget, speaking of the holidays, Thanksgiving's 11 days away and there's only 39 days left to shop before Christmas. So if you, yeah, if you weren't nervous before, you're a little anxious now, right? There's always something that we can be anxious about, whether it's trying to pass finals this semester or trying to feed our family from week to week or just trying to survive to see January 1st of 2021. There's plenty that can make us anxious. But trusting our Father for daily bread can actually reduce our anxiety and it can also increase our contentment. Learning to trust God for our daily bread increases our contentment. Now, I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy 6. He says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be, what's the word? Content with that, Paul says. Now, here's the reality. We have very real physical and spiritual needs that we want to have met, don't we? And I don't know about you, but knowing that, I, I, I kind of swing to one of two ends of the, of the spectrum. I either try to supply all those things in my own and I wear myself out or I become blind to what I have and I just try to stockpile more and more and more thinking, well, if I'm, if I'm saved up, I, I'm good. But the more often we can learn to pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread, the more he's going to remind us of how he continues, how he's always provided for those things. And this can help us be content, but it can also shift our perspective. I want, you to, I want you to think of it like this. Learning to pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread 
it will show us the type of bread that he provides. We can ask for anything. But he might say, well, I know you want that, but let me show you this. How about, how about this? And the more we have eyes to see the bread that he provides, the more we start to see, oh, I have so much to be thankful for. Like you've provided a lot of things for me. And this also gives us an opportunity to practice generosity and to use some of our extra bread to help people who has a, a short supply. Now, one of the most interesting things I've found that's, that's been apparent to me as I've studied this passage is when Jesus taught his followers to pray this prayer, he didn't say, this is how you pray. My father in heaven, give me today the bread that I need. He says, this is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, give us today our daily bread. There's a big difference, right? He says, you're not supposed to do any of this alone. You're part of a bigger community where you can take care of one another. This is, this is a really important thing. And, and this is one of my favorite things about Genesis because we truly enjoy celebrating generosity outside of our church walls because we realize, man, God has given us an abundance of bread and it is fun to have ministry partners all over the world. And our extra bread is going to help do things like plant new churches all over Albania to mentor and empower young teenagers, teenage orphans in the Ukraine to grow up and be successful adults on their own. Our extra bread helps to serve the poor in Haiti and it helps to train and equip small business leaders in Myanmar. That's pretty cool, right? But we're also able to do the same thing here locally. I wanna thank all of you that helped in our Love Your Neighbor drive where we've been collecting cold weather items for the homeless community here in and around the Indianapolis area. And even though our attendance, our physical attendance has been down lately, we had an excellent response. And our, our partners at um, Food for Souls I just said, oh, thank you, thank you so much. We were able to provide like over 800 different items that can go into the hands of people that literally have no bread in their life. So way to go, Genesis Church. But I also wanna tell you about some exciting things happening here in Carmel, and I'm really excited. This is something we have been praying about for a while. We've recently started partnering with an organization called Carmel Youth Assistance. And Carmel Youth Assistance has helped to set up kids experiencing challenging life circumstances, okay? Middle school and high school students dealing with things like the loss of a parent, major family shifts and changes, financial instability, mental health issues, right? Those are some big things for middle school and high school students to be dealing with. And for the last several weeks, our Carmel campus has been a host site for 10 or 12 of these students within the Carmel school system. They come here for free Wi-Fi. They get to do their homework on their virtual days in a safe environment, and they get to see other people, which is really important right now because students aren't always getting to see other students. Our, our student pastor, Michael Amatuza, who's leading us in worship today, is developing amazing relationships with these kids and with the director, Melissa Yarger. It's been great. And every week, Melissa Yarger, the director, is, we're texting back and forth, and she is constantly sharing simple ideas of things that our church family can do to help these families in need in Carmel. Now, you might be tempted to think, come on, we're in Carmel. Like, who has need? I want you to know that the affluence of this area hides very real needs. We, we have no idea the needs that people face. So Melissa said, hey, I've got a meal train for a single mom that's getting ready to have surgery. Would your people want to help? I said, sure, Absolutely. Uh, they're looking for helpers at a food distribution program that takes place outside of Carmel High School where we get to show up and we just get to hand out food to people in need. There's a mentorship program for students that are anywhere from five years old to 17 years old where you can walk along the, alongside a student and help them with their schoolwork. 
These are incredible, simple things. You can donate food for the kids when they come here on Monday or Tuesday. We just provide them with free lunch. So they get free Wi-Fi, free lunch. I mean, if you're a parent on the outside looking in, you're thinking, who are these people? And why are they helping my kids? This is, this is amazing. And I look forward to the day that where we as a church family, we get to provide warm clothes for kids that don't have access to those things. And then we, we do all this to develop relationships so that we can share the gospel with the words that we speak, but as importantly, with our actions. It brings the love of Jesus to life in some really cool ways. And so if you are interested in exploring this partnership with us, I want you to do something right now. I want you to take out your phone and I want you to write down this email address or just email us right now, info at genesischurch.me. I will follow up with you this week and you can help us make an impact in some of the, the lives of these families. Now, I think it's amazing. When you break this simple prayer, Father, give us this day our daily bread, doesn't it take on a whole new light when you read it in context and you think about it of what you can ask for and how you can use it to help others? It begins by worshiping God as our heavenly father and worshiping his name and praying for his will to be done. And then we get to bring our list to him, but we also can say, hey God, would you help me to see how you're providing that manna one day at a time? Now, here's my challenge for all of you this week. How are you gonna put this into practice? Okay, it's one thing to know these things. It's one thing to study these things, but we need to find ways to pray this prayer together. And so we all pray differently, but Jesus says, just follow this pattern. Okay, you don't have to use the exact words, verbalize it on your own. And so for me personally, when I get to the point, this point in the prayer, here's some things that I've learned to pray for on daily bread. First of all, I thank God for the daily bread he's provided with things like health and well-being for our family during a pandemic, for resources of food and shelter in a very uncertain world. There's a lot of people that don't have those things. And, and I thank him for a job that I truly enjoy, even though some of you make it difficult sometimes. That was a joke. All, everybody's job gets a little overwhelming, right? I'm like, I thank you. I get to do this. Thank you. Thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for using this job to provide for my family. And then I start to thank God for some other things, or actually start to pray for some other things specifically. I pray for my wife and my kids by name. And I'm usually doing this on my way into work. It's a good way to focus, but I pray for things like protection for our bodies and our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears and our thoughts so that the evil one won't get in there and distract us away from him. And I pray for wisdom to know what is right and what is good and courage to follow through on whatever the Holy Spirit is calling us to do that day. And then a lot of times, and I don't know that my kids know this, I pray that God would keep their feet on his path of life so that they don't ever know a season without him, that they don't wander away from him. And so that's what it looks like for me. What's it gonna look like for you? Maybe you journal. Great, write those things down. Pray those things back to your father. Ask for those things and pray for eyes to see how he is providing. But I, I wanna show you something cool that my wife did recently. It's in our home. This is a new thing for us. Early, uh, I'm, I'm late October, late October, my wife said, hey, can we put up the Christmas tree? And I was like, it's way too early. I can't do that. Well, a week later, the 1st of November, this tree ends up in the corner of our living room. And I'm like, I thought we said no Christmas trees until after Thanksgiving. She said, it's not a Christmas tree. It's a thankful tree. It looks like a Christmas tree, right? But here's what she's done. Every day when the kids get home from school, she gives them three pieces of paper and they write things that they're thankful for. Things like music and food and candy. Simple things. You can write anything on there, right? This is a way for us to be reminded of how God provides really simple things. Um, here's, here's another ring. You know, like thankful for nature and God and Jesus makes us look super spiritual. There's this one on here for cats. I didn't know that was on there. We're gonna take that off when I get home and we'll replace that with something different. But right, 
you get the point. You can be thankful for anything, even cats. So maybe you need to start a thankful tree. And as you're, as you're writing out your, or just make a chain and pray for those things while you're writing them down. There is literally no way that you can mess this up. The only way you mess this up is by not taking advantage of the opportunity to ask your heavenly father for the things that you want and the things that you need, but then also pray for eyes to see how he is providing. Now, on the subject of daily bread, I, I wanna share something with you that I learned. I think this is fascinating and I just want you to think about it. The gospel writers tell us that Jesus was born in a town named Bethlehem. And the meaning of the word Bethlehem is house of bread. Weird name for a town, right? But I want you to listen to what Jesus said in John chapter six. The, the apostle John records these words. Listen to what he says. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. And then in verse 51, he makes really a ridiculous claim. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Do you get what he's saying? Do you hear it? He's saying, my heavenly father used to provide manna from heaven. I am that manna. I have left heaven to come here as a man to be the bread of life, to give you eternal life, everlasting life. If you put your trust in me, you will never go hungry. My father is providing for everything that you need in me. And I just wanna say something to those of you that, that join us or that tune in with us and you like the idea of Jesus, but you've never surrendered to Jesus. If you feel spiritually hungry, I want you to hear me say this. You're gonna continue to feel hungry because only Jesus can feed us spiritually. Only Jesus can provide these things for us. We cannot do them on our own. He says, come to me. I will provide the food that you need. And so if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, to surrender to Jesus, you can do that today. And after service, I wanna invite you to come forward and talk to me or talk to Steve. We'd love to have that conversation with you. Or if you're tuning in online, drop us a comment in the comment section. I will personally follow up with you in a little bit. But don't let today pass without taking this claim that Jesus says to be the bread of life. Now for the rest of us, for those of us that have put our trust in Jesus, we're gonna celebrate him being the bread of life in a really special way. We're gonna celebrate communion. And when we do this as a church family, it's a reminder of what he's done for us. We eat a little piece of bread as a reminder that he broke, he allowed his body to be broken and beaten on our behalf. And so when we eat, we celebrate that. And when we drink this sweet juice, we were reminded of the sweetness of salvation that is known in Jesus. And so in just a moment, you can take communion on your own, but we're gonna worship. And as we worship, as we sing to Jesus, just be reminded and thank God.